The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vina Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, working hard each and every week to be your nation's public radio source for the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. Uh, one of the interesting things about live radio is that there is occasionally a, a, a real-time issue that arises that causes things to go sideways for a little while. And um, that happened today. Uh, my scheduled guest, who was uh, meant to come on and talk about his experience with mobile home parks, called about five minutes ago. And said, I've got a young child. He bumped his head. He's in the emergency room. I'm with him. I can't really do this phone interview from here. And so, uh, sorry, Charlie. So I'm I'm walking in the door literally going, I don't know what I'm going to say about mobile home parks. I have looked at one mobile home park to buy in my entire life and when I when when I was sitting in that mobile home park looking around trying to figure it out, I had to call Doug Ottersberg to even get some idea of like what I was looking at and what I should be offering. And then I went, wait a minute, why don't I call Doug Ottersberg if 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 he's the guy I go to when I have mobile home park questions? Why don't I just go ahead and give him a call and see what he's up to? So about three minutes ago, <laughs> Doug got this call from me saying, you don't have to do this, but um, I kind of need somebody to talk to for about an hour about mobile home parks. And he said, well, I'm in Mexico and I'm in my car, but sure, why not? So joining us right now live from the beautiful Republic of Mexico from his hopefully air-conditioned car is Mr. Doug Ottersberg. Doug, yeah. welcome to Real Life Real Estate. <laughs> Hi, Vina. Yeah, check and double check on the AC. Oh, good. I yeah, I hate to see you. I hate to think of you out there frying while you were you were doing me this the me and the audience, let me say this giant favor cuz I seriously like mobile home mobile homes and mobile home parks are <sighs> I don't know. They're they're. I, I want to say fringy, but they're they're you know rare. It's rare enough that there just aren't that many people out there who have uh, you know experience lasting years and experience with multiple mobile home parks. So we really do appreciate you taking sure. taking the time out to do this. And um, why don't we why don't we start out by you just talking a little bit about why in the world would you invest in mobile home parks? 
What 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 got into yeah, that's you? A great what question. what made what made you go? Oh, hey, there, there's a there's a thing I want to do. Well, it's a it's a story I've told a few times, and I'm happy to share it with your listeners, Dina. Uh, there was a point in, in my life where uh, I was working in a corporate job, and they made it really easy for me to quit. Uh, at, at a point, uh, I was making a lot of money. I was super bored. And that might sound like, uh, what, what's wrong with you, dude? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I was, I was put into a, a, a menial task. I hated it and left uh, to start my own company with some friends. That lasted for a while. Um, there was a point, though, where one of our mentors uh, pulled us aside and, you know, particularly mentioned the fact that, well, you've been here for more than five years now. Congratulations. You've made it past that hub. But listen, Doug, what would happen um, if, you know, t- tomorrow you weren't able to come and put the key in the door? Um, and my thought was, well, gosh, I, I guess I just wouldn't make any money that day. Like, and, you know, what if, you know, you, you couldn't do that again? What would happen? And so I started, you know, moving ahead in my mind and, and going through that thought process, which at that time in my life I had never done. And, you know, one of the things that he said to me was, you need to get something other than you working for you, mm. which, again, I, I think you know, your listeners, if they're listening to your show about real estate investing, they may have already had that thought, <laughs> you know, get something other than them working for them. And, as I started looking at different avenues to make that happen, again, uh, my mentor said that one of the things he did was he pulled money out of a business uh, that he had, and he started buying real estate. And so I started investigating how that would work. And I had a friend's mom who was a note buyer in other words she worked for a company um, actually was a buyer for an insurance company who would buy contracts Mm -hmm. Uh, when people had you know sold their property and carried back a contract uh, she would arrange to buy that and she introduced me to one of my first real estate mentors by by these words i went to a seminar with her and my friend and she looked at us as we were walking into the hotel, and she gave us that mom look and said, all right, now, boys, you keep your mouth shut, you keep your ears open. <laughs> Remember, you never know who you're sitting next to. <laughs> and just because some of the people in here look like they shop at Goodwill, <laughs> don't let that fool you, because they could write a check for this hotel. <laughs> Yeah, it's the guys who it's the guys who who, and, who shop at Goodwill that actually can write a check to buy the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I respected her, and you know, we always do what we're told, <laughs> especially when it's coming in the mom voice, right? So mm-hmm. <laughs> we did. Um, and anyway, long story short, a lot of people in that meeting uh, were there, and they owned mobile home parks. Uh-huh. And they were there to learn about this concept of creating, you know, monthly income from buying paper or, in this case, creating 
paper through financing. In this case, they owned mobile home parks, and they were learning about creating financing by selling the manufactured the mobile home um, and financing it. So when my wife and I, at the time, she was my girlfriend, 24, 25 years ago, um, we looked at that, and one of the things, Vina, that happened for us uh, at that point in our life was we looked around. We thought it was a neat business model. We could see that, you know, people always have to have a place to live. And, you know, in real estate, just like anything else, there's an opportunity to have a business model where you have, you know, uh, what do you call it, a small volume but high margin, which a lot of times people call flipping or, you know, that's one strategy. But you do that, you got to go back to work and do it again. And there's the other side of the coin where you have, let's say, higher volume but lower margins. And in my case, I liked that much better because I thought, you know, there's always going to be a higher, larger amount of people that need something that's affordable, um, regardless of what's going on with the with the economy. Mm-hmm. And so that's how we got interested in, in, in the mobile home park business. Um, we stood up at one of these meetings one day and said something to the teacher that, you know, it's like, wow, this sounds really good. But, you know, I don't think that'll work where I live. <laughs> I know you've never heard that, Nina. Oh, no. Uh-uh. Um, <laughs> and, and this is probably the umpteenth time this person had heard that. He said something that, you know, changed our lives that day. This man's from the panhandle of Florida, and he looked at us, and he's like, well, y'all ain't no tree. You can move. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. You can can move, or you can invest somewhere where it would work, because they got this thing called the post office, and they'll send you a check wherever you, you know, they'll bring you a check wherever you want to (laughs) live. So, anyway... One, one day we were at a uh, at an investment seminar and we're given the opportunity to stand up in front of this group of investors and you could talk about you know okay you know they called it haves and wants it's like I have this property and I want this or I you know I'm looking for this and we got an opportunity to stand up in front of a room full of investors and just introduce ourselves and like hey my name's Doug Ottersberg I live in Los Angeles and I found out I'm not a tree, and I do want to buy a mobile home park, and I will go wherever that is. Really super long story short, the uh, happened to be some people from, in this case, New Mexico, that went back, and they made a list by you know running ads and, and collecting names of sellers. And at that time, there weren't as many people looking for this opportunity as there are now. Um but he created a list of sellers, and I flew over from California and, again, long story short, ended up looking at just, you know, you only need one deal to get started. And We happened to find a seller who owned apartment buildings and houses and had somehow came across this mobile home park, which really didn't fit in their portfolio, and as luck would have it for us, the septic tanks had failed, and this gentleman had just spent over a quarter million dollars redoing the plumbing and and connecting to a sewer line. And he was what our teachers had called a 
don't want her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and we were just dumb enough to not know what couldn't be done in that area. You know, I guess all the other investors looked at that and didn't, you know, didn't want it. So we took it and that was our first entree into the business, Vina. And I'll tell you, just through a lot of hard work and um, just applying what we learned in other areas, you know, like a real estate investing, my wife and I, by this time we were married, we took that over. The day that we took over that property, we became um, as... Are we match? Are we allowed to say other people's names? Yes. <laughs> the books we've read and stuff. Yes. Okay. So at the time, Robert Kiyosaki had just come out with the Rich Dad Poor Dad book, and one of the things that he talked about in there is you become financially free when your passive income exceeds your monthly expenses. And the day we took over this mobile home park, that's what happened to us. Excellent. And within, I'd say probably about seven years. We had improved the property to a point where we were able to refinance and we pulled out more than we originally paid for the property in the first place, which we turned around and took some of that and put it right back in and went on to use that cash to buy, you know, to build. And here we are 23 years later (laughs) in Mexico, (laughs) 22 years later. And we're in Mexico. Yeah. My, my wife. Anna is originally from here, so we're here visiting family, and um, when, we're, when we're here, we also take advantage of the excellent uh, dental and medical care that's available here at substantially reduced prices, shall we say. Hmm. Excellent. All right, uh, Doug, we need to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to sort of dive into the whole thing about if someone else is where you were 22 years ago is looking to get started in mobile home parks, what are their steps? If you have questions for Doug, you can call us here in the studio at 877-772-9658. That's 877-772-9658. You can also send us an email. Just send it to askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing, where my guest today is Doug Ottersberg. The email that went out to all the folks who are subscribed to our weekly email reminders had a different name on it, but we had a little bit of a a medical emergency with uh, him, and so Doug has very generously stepped up to share his two plus decades experience in the same topic, investing in mobile home parks. If you are not on that email list, by the way, you need to go to our website at Real Life Real Estate Investing and get on it because every week we send out ahead of time, this is who the guest is, this is where his area of expertise is, there's usually an article by or about the guest, and also information on what is going on out in the real estate investing world. For instance, today's e-letter uh, mentioned a $99 one-day class that Cincinnati RIA is putting on on, on um, Saturday, the 24th of June, on wholesaling. And I know we've had a lot of requests for, like, give me give me something basic, real affordable, you know, non-profit, non-profit real estate investors association of Greater Cincinnati. You know, your wish is their command, apparently because now there is one. You can learn more about that at CincinnatiRia.com. Again, questions for Doug can be sent to 877-772-9658 or 
Uh, I say sent to, that would be a phone number, of course, or askvina at gmail.com. So, Doug, you said a couple yep. of minutes ago that when you got started in mobile home parks, it was not as hot an asset class as it is today. And you're actually the third person that I've talked to this year who has said something along the lines of mobile home parks are kind of having a moment or a resurgence. Why is that? Well, one of the things that I've always loved about this asset class, Vina, is most people think about, you know, like an episode of Jerry Springer when they hear a mobile home park. And I got to tell you, not only me, but most owners like that, um, especially if you're in the mind of expansion. Now, one of the reasons that it's, it's looked at now with, through a different set of eyes is if you're really tired of the uh, whims of the marketplace, you know, the swings of values and you know, a lot of competition for having to do deals, um, if real estate investing is your full-time job, one of the things that I'll, I'll just share with you, you know, my wife, Anna, uh, at one point I had asked her what she liked about this business. And... She said, it's boring and it's predictable. <laughs> and I feel good knowing how much, you know, pretty much to the dime uh, we've got coming in next month. <laughs> and that just get, gives me a lot of peace of mind. I guess and there's some parts, said, you know, some parts no- of your life that you want to be boring and predictable so that the other parts can be unreasonably exciting. There you go. And... So I believe that there's a lot of people catching on, and one of you know, the the numbers, the math of the business, once you once you learn the basics of you know, how how it works, um, what's what's really great about that boring predictableness is is you have a number of units, and historically, in most markets, the the, the park living, mobile home park living, manufactured home community living, uh, is a, it's the best of both worlds. There are folks that typically either can't or don't want to buy a single family home. And they'd also rather not be a 100% renter all the time. So with the community living, Many times, you know, you've got the basic what people call shade and shelter community all the way up to the super nice uh, retirement type communities with homes that cost as much or more than site built homes. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And so the community owner as an investor has a known base of income coming in on a monthly basis. And typically, because they only own the dirt, um, one of the things we've always said for years is it's kind of hard to hurt dirt. Um, (laughs) And when you live in an area, though, you know, where weather is a factor, you know, if if weather did come through and wipe out all those homes, well, and yeah, your income would stop. So, yes, that is a concern. Um, However, for the most part, that is the exception, not the rule. So, again, by not owning the buildings, like, say, in an apartment complex where 
you're responsible for the maintenance uh, of all of the homes and the apartments, and you got the turnover when somebody leaves, uh, which they can do really easy by just renting, you know, a, a rider truck or Utah, you know, and they're they're gone. When somebody owns their own manufactured home, it's it's a little bit more difficult, so they tend to stay longer, and. If you've ever done uh, landlording, you know that most renters tend to be, you know, they're there until they're off to, till they're not, which usually is a short-term thing. So they tend to be more transient in a manufactured home community, uh, mobile home park. Those residents tend to be, have more of a homeowner mindset because they own their own home. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so um, it just makes that job of the management that much easier. So I'd say that's that's primarily the main reason people are looking at this asset through different eyes is they're they're finding out what we've known all along. It's boring and it's predictable. Uh-huh. Well, and and you're you're kind of circling around a, a, an important concept here in in mobile home parks, which is um, how how does one think about this? It's it's not. Uh, so I've heard people compare it to like owning an apartment building that what you have is you mm-hmm. know 60 units that all happen to be freestanding and made of aluminum and plywood. I've heard other people right. say to say what you just said which is no 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 it's a land investment. And the mm-hmm. other the people the people with the homes are uh, you know they 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 and their homes can both come and go but the the value is really in the rent they are paying to basically sit their home on your lot within that mobile home and plug into your utilities and whatnot. So from, from the perspective of somebody who might be used to hearing about true real estate, which a mobile home is not the park is, but the mobile home is not real estate. It's like a car. It's personal property. How, 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 how does one get one's brain around what the, what this thing is? Okay. Well, the, the easiest way to explain that is um, that it is a land investment. And for many years, that's one of the things that people would look at because a lot of these communities were built um, 60s, 70s, um, in areas of town at that time were cheap land. And now cities have grown up around them. And so um, they did their job. They held they were a land holding play years ago um and yet these days that represents in most areas truly affordable and in most cases non-subsidized housing so from an investment viewpoint when we look at it it's it's valued on the cash flow which is really pretty simple if you were to look at the formula this number of spaces uh, times the, the the lot rent gives you your gross income for the month multiplied by 12 gives you your annual income for the month and out of that you just it's a standard if you if you look at how to value a commercial uh, income stream it's just gross income minus uh, a set aside for vacancies and collections and minus expenses gives you what's called a net operating income and then that amount of money if you were to think in terms of like a CD, most people understand how a CD works. You go to the bank, you give them um, an amount of money, they pay you uh, an interest rate, and that produces 
an amount of money. And so um, that, that becomes your return. And so the, um, the mobile home park is a, is a similar way. When you know the amount of money, uh, you can divide it by the rate of return or the rate of return you want. You can know how much money you would have had to put into that investment. Mm-hmm. That's the simplest way of explaining it, Bina. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's not uh, it's not but, that it's but, not that once you own the park, there's literally like you you you're saying there's no responsibility for the homes if you are not renting out the homes and we'll come back to why you don't recommend that people own and rent out the homes but rather have home owners on those lots there are there's the roads right that's that would be your responsibility and most most mobile home parks at least have you know a horseshoe shaped road going through it right um sure I, I know that that some Your job is to take care of the common right, and there's and and some of these parks that uh, I, I and I've heard as I've as I've read about this on the internet, I've heard some very violent debating on the pros and cons of this. Some of them have their own private water septic, so they're not they're not even hooked up to city utilities, and so that becomes the responsibility of the park owner. So uh, basically, I think what you're saying is it's. It's like an apartment building in only in that there's an income and expense statement, there's a bottom line cash flow, and you would value the park based on what that expected cash flow would be and the return that you wanted to get. Correct. And oftentimes, again, one of the reasons that some people are taking a, a fresh look at the asset class is if you don't own the building, and let's just say for now that you also don't have to deal with the water and sewer system. Let's say that those are owned by the city and you're just connected to it. Well, if you're not having to maintain buildings and do turnover upon tenants uh, you know, when they move out, then on average, the, the expenses for a uh, mobile home park are typically about 20% less than an apartment complex. Oh, interesting. Had so not, for had the not same dollar invested... Yeah, and and for the same dollar invested, the uh, the return is is higher. Oh, very so that's, cool. That's one one thing. Very <laughs> cool. Um, at Doug, we need to take another quick break. Uh, when we come back, we do have a question that came in via email at our askmina at gmail dot com address, and we'll also take any questions that anyone else has, curiosities that you've had about investing in mobile home parks. Eight seven 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 two nine six five eight or askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today, Doug Ottersberg, guy who's got a lot of experience with mobile home parks. But the important thing, I mean, we're gonna, we're talking about mobile home parks, but the important thing is that it is one of those asset classes within real estate that is really about the passive income. It's really about Am I bringing in enough money to not only, of course, cover the expenses of the park, but also my own, you know, my mortgage payment and my car payment and my desire to be in Mexico with my wife's family if I want to be and all of those sorts of things. 
So, um, Doug, we do have one question that has come in via uh, the website at uh, askvina.gmail.com. This one is not about really mobile home parks, but you might have some advice for this gal. She says, I I guess I'm assuming it's a gal, Adrias. If you're not a gal, I apologize. Uh, She says, I want an online auction for a mobile home on four acres of land. It needs about $10,000 to make it lease or rent or lease option ready. What is the best way to market it? I'm a new real estate investor and this is my first deal. Congratulations on pulling the trigger and doing your first deal. Let's start there. And um, personally, I'm drooling over the idea of a mobile home with four acres of land. I could sell the heck out of that thing. Yes. People yeah, love that love setup. Those, those types of properties. Um, anytime we can buy land that has something on it that people can live in, usually uh, at a rate that's a lot less than a, anything else that rents in the area. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the first thing I would do, Adriana. I would look for um, you know what things are renting for in that area, and then find out where those people hang out. So you know one of the things that's that's always worked for us, even in the age of Craigslist and Facebook, are simple, handmade tear-off flyers. You've seen them when you go in and out of grocery stores, that kind of thing. Um, they'll still work. And I would I would urge you to go find out you know, where the people hang out. You know, do they hang out at, at a bar, at particular stores? Um, you know, where do they, where do they get their groceries, go to that area around there and just put those up. Um, in addition to, there are subgroups like on Facebook Mm -hmm. that are popular. Um, you could call them like online yard sales, if you will. Um, most areas have them now and that we've, we've gotten traction in in those areas, uh, too. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. Look to see, look to, you know, those are some areas where you could market that. And once again, look at what your competition is. And gosh, you know, it sounds like you got a pretty good deal. It's not going to take a whole lot of money to fix that up. Uh, set your rent appropriately, which would be some, somewhat less than what they could rent a, you know, a similar apartment for. Um, and definitely less than what they could rent a house for. And gosh, they got four acres to roam on. That that'd be a smoking deal for someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and my my first thought, uh, $10,000 worth of work to make it rent or lease option ready. I'm thinking maybe the plumbing's been pulled out and, you know, the, it, it, if it's been sitting vacant there for a while, it might have gotten some of the utilities and maybe even some of the siding torn sure. off. But my thought was don't fix it. Give some oh, give somebody give somebody a really good deal on you. You're going to lease option it. Part of your option agreement is that you're going to take care of what's going on here, and in return for that, I'm going to give you a lower price on the whole package and also a maybe slightly lower rent than what we would have talked about before. Uh, because I, I have found I have found in that particular market when you're talking about something like a mobile home or a manufactured home on acreage yep. people will beat your door down there's so many people who want four acres and and they, they're not even they don't care they don't care as much about the house as they do about the land and they just want to they just want to be out there in the you know rural area and have a place that they can homestead and call their own and a lot of those folks have the skills to fix it so 
you might try putting it on like the market. What you just said. Yeah, you might try putting it on the market as a we, we used to call that repair for down payment. So instead of instead of wanting two thousand down on the lease option, I want I want something. I want maybe five hundred down, but the rest of your the rest of your option fee that you normally would have paid, you're going to put into the property to make it livable for you and your family. And we're going to, I'm going to give you a better deal because you're giving me a better deal. And 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 so I, I'm excited for you, Adrius. That's a yeah, that's great. I wish I'd have found that deal. Uh, okay, so so Doug, going back to uh, the thought of mobile home parks. Let's let's p- picture the guy who is you twenty two years ago, and has yep. has made up Dang. their mind that yes, they're going to do it, and yes, it's going to be mobile home parks. What? What like immediate things would you would you tell them about? Is there like a minimum size park they should be looking for? Is there um, some particular things about parks that they should go go after, or like it's an automatic rejection if this is the case? Like what what, what would you tell somebody in an elevator? Well, awesome. Yeah, as far as minimum size, uh, what we're what we were looking at at the time was can we even get in the game? Can we get someone to play ball with us? And it turned out that around the 40, 50 unit size, um, and even these days, you know, under 100, a lot of the folks that are really well capitalized are looking for 100 units um, or more. Um, So that leaves a space for... That leaves a space for folks like us, and especially if you're just getting started. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the first things I would actually have them do um, is go through an exercise of creating you know, a vision. You know, what do you really want your life to look like? Um, and part of that, that includes, you mentioned this a little bit ago, it's like, what do I need to live on on a monthly basis? You know, what do I need in order to cover my, you know, mortgage, uh, food, insurance, all of those things, and figure out what that number is. And then, you know, maybe you'll get lucky and find uh, a place that will do, like, cover our your needs like Anna and I did. Or maybe you'll need to work up to that. Um, that's number one. Write that stuff down. I'm, I like the little... You know, communities that are 40 or 50 units, um, A, because not a lot of folks are, you know, again, you know, the well-capitalized investors aren't looking for those smaller units. And I believe still there are a lot of those that are owned, just like Anna and I, mom and pop. And one of the things that we've been fortunate enough over the years is we make we meet couples like that. We make friends with them. And then they get to a point in life where I'm sure Ron and I are going to be at one time. It's like, uh, don't call me. I don't want to know about this stuff. <laughs> right? I got other stuff to do. Um, you know what? I don't even want to own this anymore. And you know, people get to that point in their life. And that's why real estate changes hands is because people's situation changes. And we have bought properties from folks. Um, that are literally, it's like, you know, we want to be like you. Why don't you sell us that property? We'll, you know, we're young. We'll do the work. And, you know, we'll send you a check every month. And 
you already know the collateral. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, I would definitely urge them to start looking around um, either in their in their area where they're at or like Jimmy taught me, I'm not a tree. You're not a tree. Either. <laughs> you know, if you can't find something that, that you like where you're at, you know, where would you like to be? Start looking around in that area too. And and we should we should probably um, mention that that there is a very big difference between a mobile home park in Bradenton, Florida, and one in Cincinnati, sure. Ohio. That that in sure. in, in, in some places it, it is just going to more be the case that what you have is retirees who are are truly looking yep. for kind of the ultimate downsize, low maintenance want to be around other people but don't want to share a wall with them kind of situations and and those can be very like you said very expensive we were we were in a mobile home park in Bradenton not 6 months ago because now every time i see a mobile home park i drive through it <laughs> even though i yep i still haven't yep. pulled the trigger and made an offer you got the and, bug and this place this place <laughs> i don't know what you call these things they were mobile homes, but they appeared to be about half the length of a typical single wide. They were as wide as a single wide, but they weren't as long as I'm used to seeing oh. a single wide. And somebody, somebody in Florida, like a park model RV. Um, well, except they were on. They they didn't have a hitch in the front. They were actually on blocks. Right. Um, and and they were they were I mean they were probably gotcha. three rooms. Maybe four rooms. Somebody, somebody told me. Somebody told me that in Florida okay. they call them granny pods because they're apparently really common. Gotcha. In, so, but anyway, this was on the Gulf. Like, like seriously, you could you yep. could walk five doors down and you were you were on the water. And apparently, the homes in that park go those little bitty homes go for like one hundred and seventy to one hundred eighty thousand dollars when they are distressed. Yep. And and some of the nicer ones yep, that are yeah that are right on the shore are going for half a million dollars for mobile home. Now you're not going to find that park in Cincinnati, Ohio. No, and I think some of the best advice I ever got when I was starting out um, really made it clear to me that you know hey each of us has certain talents that we've been born with. And some of them we developed over the years, and. You know, those of us that are drawn toward real estate investing have that eye to, you know, to, to get things and, and make things better. And, you know, one of the things I learned was that most of our customers, uh, and, and again, an opportunity in business, is to provide a place um, to work where, like you said, the, the people that are interested in the four acres are typically people that, that have the skills and the tools and such to, to fix things up. And that was one of the things that, you know, my mentor taught me was like, when you're driving around and you're looking for um, a place to make that investment, um, there's a got pickups with toolboxes in the back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and one of, and, and one of the reasons for that was, you know, from a macro perspective, from a you know 30,000 foot view, is when you're looking at, any kind of investment, one of the questions you have to ask is, okay, I'm going to get into this, but gosh, is there going to be a buyer? You know, and when I started, like, for example, during the 2007 and eight, when all these people were going gaga buying uh, condos in Miami, I'm like, man, this is unsustainable. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and sure enough, it was. And yet, one of the things that we've always said is like, you know, our our little area of investment, it works good when times are good, and it works great when times are not good. Mm-hmm. Um, and this ties back to, you know, pick up with, with toolboxes in them. It's like when you have a customer that you're helping provide them with, you know, safe, clean, affordable homes that they can get into and get started, if you will, get a foot on the housing run. Um, most of those folks, if, if there is work, they will work. And that's, that's an ideal, you know, partnership, if you will. Mm-hmm. We, we help them get started, give them a place to stay when they come home from work. Um, and, Again, when it's time for them to move on, now in the form of that mobile home, they've got some savings um, that they can use to help, you know, when they sell off um, to get into their next property, mm-hmm. uh, which very likely could be that four acres, but now they've got some cash to, and capital to work with. So I would be looking for that type of community where the people, you know, you know again, if there is work, they will work. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So, so a part of what you're saying here is that maybe for that for that new investor who's first looking for a deal, they should maybe look for something that they can reperform, as opposed to the the, the one that's up and running and perfect and that's got an on-site manager and everything's awesome because as would be the case with an apartment building like that, you're going to pay top price. Yep. For that property, you are. And and there are there are many properties out there that the the owner just holds on to them for five years too long, you know he holds on to them for five years beyond go. the time that he's really able to to throw the people out who need to go because they're not paying their lot rent and and you know five years beyond the time that he's really keeping the roads maintained and all of that sort of thing, and those are opportunities yep. to get in cheaper, get some folks in who can do the work and raise the value of the of the asset that's that's a perfect um explanation you know we've done that several times now and and yeah in some cases they hold on to them way past that five year Mm -hmm. thing Mm -hmm. um i'm thinking of one community in particular where the parents passed away the kids inherited it um and they just get those checks every month and i don't think i've in the last 20 years i don't think i've seen them put any of it back into it Mm -hmm. um or if they have, I can't tell, but you know, yeah, typically and- those that'd be a great way to, to to create some equity of your own. And this is important: learn the business yourself by doing it, um, because at that point, then, like Anna and I, you know, we've got three children. Our two oldest are um, in college. One's got two, three semesters left. One's got four semesters left, and we got one that's got what three years of high school and then we, we want to travel. Mm-hmm. Um, but since we, can't, we as, as you might say, come up in the business, we, we learned it firsthand. We know what it takes. And then you can train uh, a manager to do those things for you. And then you can just kind of review uh, in between uh, flights or mm-hmm. <laughs> by the time, you know, when you come back from the beach or whatever it is you want to do. Mm-hmm. So it can, it can be even even with the smaller parks, it can be made into a truly passive, I'm just managing the manager type of investment. Yeah. And yeah, and passive, like you said, I think 
only what the IRS thinks of that there's such a thing as passive <laughs> income. <laughs> yes. Um, there, there actually, there is some level of work involved. Yes, and even if it's just managing the manager, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. there are just like any project, Vina, any business. Uh, there are there are distinct life phases that you go through. Like if you pick up one of those properties, for example, that hey, yeah, it's been neglected for a while. Um, some of them are really, really bad, and you've got to do like in terms of a rehab on a house, you got to take it down, down to the uh, to the studs. Um, some of them just need a you know a good you know buff and polish. Um, and once you've gone through that issue, and once you've gone through and and um, you mentioned you know people that don't pay the rent and. You know, they get used to living a certain kind of way where they're not keeping up their house or they're not paying the rent on time. For those people, like, for example, Ann and I went through a process. It actually took several years, um, but we expanded those people's housing opportunities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we gave them the opportunity to, to live go someplace else. else. Yes. Um, all right. Well, <laughs> Doug, unbelievably, uh, we are out of time. So... Uh, really appreciate wow. you. I know. Really appreciate you kind of sharing some of your experiences with the past and current mobile home market. Of course, we're going to tell listeners never, never, never run out and make an investment based on what you heard in 45 minutes on real life real estate. Go find some folks who know the business, learn the business, spend some time, energy, and money on education, and then ultimately yes. pull the trigger because when you do, it'll work. So. Appreciate your time, Doug, and we will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Mm